Good morning. Uh, before we read Matthew 11, verses 1 through 19, I just want to, uh, I guess, remind us uh, or remind myself how grateful we are to live in this country. We celebrated July 4th, Monday, and, and uh, it's truly amazing to see how uh, darkness and light can cohabitate. I mean, they don't, that's not the right word, but how darkness is increasing, yet the light is coming. And um, just some things that have happened in the last couple of weeks have really been encouraging with, with Roe v. Wade and some of the other decisions that, that our justices have put forward are encouraging, and we should be praying for, for them. They have a tremendous responsibility uh, in guiding this country. And we have a tremendous responsibility in protecting the freedoms that our forefathers, our founding fathers, uh, our grandfathers, and all those people that uh, have fought and died and uh, preserved the freedom that we're enjoying today. So we're going to take a minute and pray for our nation after we read as well. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1. When Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, and the lame walk. Lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them. And blessed is the one who is not offended by me. As they went away, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John. What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? What then did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. What then, what then did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is at least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. For all the prophets and the law prophesied until John, and if you are willing to accept that he is Elijah who is to come. He who has ears to hear, let the, him hear. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling to their playmates. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, look at him, a glutton and a drunkard a friend of tax collectors and sinners. 
yet wisdom is justified by his deeds. Let's pray. Father, we uh, just want to lift up this portion of scripture. And Lord, if there's a time that your people uh, need to have ears to hear and eyes to see, it's, it's right now. Lord, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would open up our ears and our eyes, soften our hearts, and, and help us to hear what your Spirit is telling us today. Father, we do want to lift up this nation. We are so thankful for it, the many blessings we enjoy. But Lord, we know that there, you have called us to a time of, of action, to rise, to stand, stand in the gap and pray, Lord, and respond to those prayers, Lord, to the directions that you give us. Father, we uh, just want to be obedient to you and your word. Father, we pray for your uh, blessing on this country. We lift up our leaders in all stages of government. We pray that you would open eyes and ears in them as well, especially those that don't know you and are not walking with you. Again, we pray for favor of our, and those leaders that, uh, that do honor you and want to please you and serve you. Lord, I just thank you for the, the things that you're doing now, Lord, that people, uh, families, parents, uh, governments waking up and responding with light. Lord, I just uh, pray right now as we get into your word that you would speak. Speak to us. Speak to our hearts. Just anoint Jackie as he delivers the word and that we could go out this morning uh, with an action plan. Thank you, Lord, for your many blessings in Jesus' name. Amen. Kids, you are dismissed. Have you guys ever experienced expectation frustration? Maybe like you colored your beard red, white, and blue and expected it to come out. <laughs> There's a lot of ways in our lives that we experience this reality. Whenever what we desire does not match what is delivered, we have expectation frustration. This morning, we get to see it in John the Baptist. We look at John, Malachi 3.1 <clears throat> prophetically speaks and says, Behold, I will send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, behold, he is coming, says Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. Malachi 4, 5 says, Behold, I send you, Elijah the prophet, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And Isaiah 40, verse 3 says, A voice crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. The forerunner of the Messiah finds himself now imprisoned and has expectation frustration. And if we're honest... 
All of us at one time or another have been disappointed with how God did things. Now, I have a tendency to uh, lean fairly heavily into the sovereignty of God. So I don't put a lot of stock in men. You know, a lot of times we can get focused on, look what so-and-so did to me or such and such or what. But for me, I see the fingerprints of God everywhere. And the Lord wouldn't have let that happen if he hadn't gave authority in that situation for something for me. But sometimes we get frustrated by it, right? And maybe we have questions like, John, are you really the one or should we look for another? And so this morning we have an opportunity to, to dive into the scripture and see. John the Baptist is in a place called Machaerus. Machaerus is across from Masada. Have you been, to, anybody been to Israel before? So if you've been to Israel, you've been to Masada. Masada is the, the uh, palace of Herod that you can walk through. It's where the Jews committed suicide during the final revolt and destruction of Israel in 70 AD. Straight across the Dead Sea from that is another fortress built by the same Herod called Machaerus. It's only famous for one thing. It was the prison of John the Baptist. So John the Baptist is there. If you've been there, you know it's a desolate place, right? And you're in a prison in a desolate place. Doesn't sound very good. Scripture begins in Matthew 11, verse 1. says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their city. So what you don't understand in verse 1, all those things we talked about, that the sending out of the 12, go out, do these things, realize you're going to face these obstacles, these struggles are going to be a part of your ministry. That's been going on. In verse 1, you have a passing of time. Jesus has been going throughout the cities, teaching and preaching. The disciples have been going out, and they've been bringing uh, the witness of the gospel of the kingdom to the <clears throat> cities of Israel. That has been happening. Scripture then goes on in verse 2 and says, Now when John heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? So they've been ministering. The miracles have been happening. The blind see, the lame walk, the, the dead have been raised again, the lepers are cleansed. You have all these incredible miracles going on. And the word of that gets to this desolate prison on the other side of the Dead Sea to John the Baptist. Now, John the Baptist is in prison because he made a choice to stand by the word of God. It's important for us to remember that. In Luke chapter 3, verse 1, I'm just going to give you some of the background, the players in the, in the uh, drama for John the Baptist. It says in Luke 3, 1, In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, Pontius Pilate, uh, being governor of Judea, Herod, a tetrarch of Galilee and his brother Philip, the tetrarch of the region of Ituria and Trachonitis and Lysanias, tetrarch of Abilene. Now, these guys are the, uh, these are the people with authority in that section of the world. They're the guys making the calls. They're the ones handling things. And we realize that 
that uh, John the Baptist is in prison because of something that went on between the two Herods, their brothers. Their father, Herod the Great, had left them in charge roughly 4 B.C., and they're both going to reign to the mid to late 30s. So they're going to hold their position for a while. Herod Antipas is in the Galilee. That's the one we'll spend most of our time talking about. His brother Philip, he ruled the east of the Jordan from a place called Caesarea Philippi. If you've been to Israel, you, you should recognize that name. It's one of the places that we visit. We know from history that on a trip to Rome, Herod Antipas was taking a group of people to go see Rome, and one of the people he took was his brother's wife. While they were on the trip to Rome, he fell in love. And so when they returned from that place, he took his brother Philip's wife, divorced the wife that he had, and married Philip's uh, wife. And John the Baptist said, that's not okay. A lot of times people ask us today, is it right or wrong to tell people that something's not okay? The scripture tells us, right? The, the book of Ezekiel lays out for us, we have a responsibility to sound the alarm. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be mean. You don't have to be all these other things, but you do have to sound the alarm if someone is doing something, walking a path that leads to death. You are to sound the alarm. Hey, this is not okay. That's what John said. Now, if you say to the king, you can't do whatever you want, usually the king's irritated. This is not new. Which of the prophets did the kings not kill? They killed them all, including John the Baptist. I don't want to hear that. Why, you know, don't tell me about it. I'm tired of hearing about your God. If you turn on the news, you can hear that anytime. And sometimes as Christians, we are, have a hard time knowing, well, what, am I supposed to stand? I'm not trying to offend, but there are things that we are responsible to say. Once upon a time, early in my walk with Christ, I, I really struggled a lot with this. Maybe you don't. That's good. But I really struggled a lot. Should I say, shouldn't I say I'm going to offend them? If I offend them, I won't be able to say anything in their life. I'm not going to be able to be a part of whatever's going on. And those are real struggles. And I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you, seek the Lord and do what he tells you. But for me, I had someone ask me one time, he said, are you more concerned with offending them? And have you no concern for offending Christ? And that kind of changed things for me. Now, I'm not talking about pecking a fight with everybody over everything. But I, you guys know the times. You have all been there in a moment where you go, I feel like I should say something. And either you do or you don't. And if you do, sometimes they put you in prison and want to chop off your head. Amen? Are you more worried about offending the person or offending Christ? I don't, and, and that's something you need to settle. I'm not telling you that what's right or wrong. I have no idea what you're thinking about doing. So, but I do encourage you to, to pray about that. Am I called to sound the alarm in this situation? And just say, 
it's not okay or, or hey, it's okay, you're on the right road or whatever. To be a voice crying in the wilderness in a, in a world that's lost to say the road you're on leads to destruction. Do we believe that? There's a road that leads to destruction and a road that leads to life. And we know the signs of those who are on the road to destruction. Amen? So we want to have, and here you have it, you have, you have John the Baptist imprisoned because he told Herod, the king, yeah, you're not supposed to marry your brother's wife. That's rude. <laughs> is, it not, is that not rude? You know, what kind of discussion was going on between the brothers? I let her go on a trip with you and you just took her? I, it, man, what are you thinking? Yeah, maybe, maybe it was harsher than that. <clears throat> Matthew 14, verse 3 through 5 tells us a little more of the background. It says in verse 3, For Herod had seized John and bound him and put him in prison for the sake of Herodias, that was his brother Philip's wife. That's how the Bible calls her. The Bible doesn't say Herod, Herod's wife. It says Philip's wife. He took Philip's wife because John had been saying, it's not lawful for you to have her. It's not okay. And though he wanted to put him to death, he was afraid of the people because they all considered him to be a prophet. Now, Herod didn't care if he was a prophet or not. Herod didn't care if he was on the road to destruction or not. Herod just wanted to do what Herod wanted to do. And some of the people in our lives are like that. Yes? Their feet are swift to shed innocent blood and, and they don't care. You, you'll have to judge that. But we ought to sound the alarm. Ding. Hey, that road don't go where you want. Oh, you Bible thumpers. Okay, well, God bless you. Have a great day. <laughs> Behold, I have spoken. So he says, John sending to Jesus, he says, now I've heard the deeds and what's going on. Are you the one who is to come? That is a phrase taken from the Psalms, Psalm 40, verse 7. Then I said, behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. You're going to hear Jesus refer to that as himself. He's the one who is to come. <clears throat> the one that was Come to take away the sin of the world. John had proclaimed it, right? This is the guy who pointed to Jesus and said, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Is it possible for a, a prophet of God, someone Jesus is going to say in a little while, was one of the greatest men born of women? Is it possible for them to get frustrated in their ministry? Then is it possible for you and I? How do we guard against it? How do we protect ourselves in that way? Psalm 118, verse 26 says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of Yahweh. That's going to be an important phrase we're going to discuss in a moment. Keep that one in your cap for a moment. He's asking Jesus, are you the Messiah or is there another? Are you the one? Because you said you were coming to set prisoners free, and I'm a prisoner. What about me? I gave my whole life to, to be hated by all the people around me because I stood for you, and I'm in prison for doing what's right. I didn't even do what's wrong. 
So John wants to know. He has expectation, frustration. I thought you were going to do this. But you haven't done that yet. Are you going to do it? So Jesus gives an answer. Verse 4. Jesus answered them and said, Go and tell John what you both hear and see. So as they're coming and traveling, remember the disciples are going. You remember last time Jesus gave all authority to them so that they could heal, so they could do the things that Jesus <clears throat> had been doing. So he says, go tell them. Go tell them what's going on. The blind can see. The lame can walk. The lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor that word for poor is the people nobody cares about. They have the gospel preached to them. The good news has gone to the poor. You tell him what you see. The signs should give the answer. The signs should give an answer. You, you and I, we don't live in that kind of world today. I know that there are people on TV. You should probably stop watching those guys. We do not live in the world we, the world that when Jesus and the disciples were walking, you could not die in his presence. If you were sick and you came up to Jesus and said, will you heal me? And he touched you, you were healed. It was never, it never didn't work. Is that the world we live in today? No, today we pray to God Almighty and we ask him to do the healing. Amen? We, does he heal today? Absolutely he does. But it's, that's his call, right? He has not endowed any of us with a, a, a particular gift that can circumvent God's will and purpose in, in this world. So we look to God. Lord, will you heal? Will you touch? At Jesus' time, these guys, are, they're doing it to everybody. Can you imagine not recognizing that something was different in the world? Is it, if we get up in the morning and we watch something, some news program in the morning, is it, is it hard for us to recognize our world's topsy-turvy? Can you imagine if it was topsy-turvy the other way? Would it be hard to recognize? I, don't think, I think we'd be like, going, whoa, something's going on. Look at all of these things. Isaiah 29, verse 18 and 19 says, In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the book. And out of their gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind shall see. The meek shall obtain fresh joy in the Lord, and the poor among mankind shall exult in the Holy One of Israel. It's not news. This was scriptures that were read. Isaiah 35, 5 and 6. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then the lame man will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute sing for joy. Waters will break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. This was the time. Isaiah 61, 1. Jesus read this in the synagogue there in Nazareth. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And John said, 
what about me? We've all done that, no? You ever looked at the blessing someone else has in their life and asked those questions? But Lord, what about me? How come I don't get it? How come that's not happening for me? And we're going to learn as we look at the heart of John, the the things that Jesus is going to describe about John, hopefully are going to open our eyes to see it. The last thing Jesus said is the key to comprehending it all. He says, a little beatitude. Blessed is he who's not offended because of me. Blessed is he who's not disappointed because I didn't do what they wanted me to do. Oh, how happy is the one who trusts in God no matter what happens. Even if you don't get what you're praying for. Blessed is he. John 20, 29, Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Remember, he's talking to Doubting Thomas. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Blessed are those, a similar beatitude. Blessed are those who are not offended because of me. Blessed are those who walk with me, even though I don't do what they want. Do you guys want friends who will walk with you no matter what? Or do you want friends who will walk with you as long as you do what they like? Which one do you want? And you ought to ask yourself, which one are you willing to be? Because... Personally, I think it's it's much more fulfilling relationship when when we're willing to walk with somebody despite their flaws. Isn't that what marriage is all about? Right? I know you had no flaws the first couple of years, but hang in there. In a few more in a few more years you will find some. We want, to, we want to walk in faithfulness no matter what. So listen to the testimony of John. Listen to the testimony of John and what, <clears throat> what John said about himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 19. We want to remember who he is. This is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Hey, who are you and why are you doing this? And so he confessed and did not deny. He did not stumble around. That's what that means. He confessed and did not deny, but confess. It means he didn't stumble in his words. He didn't have a hard time. You ever been confronted and you, didn't, you weren't ready? And so you, you trip over your tongue a few times? Okay, what scripture is saying is John didn't do that. John didn't trip over his tongue. He confessed, I am not the Christ. They asked him, are you the Messiah? No, I'm not the Messiah. They said, what then? Are you Elijah? And he says, no. Now, in a moment, Jesus is going to say, if you can handle it, he is. He's a type of Elijah. We still have an expectancy of Elijah himself in the, in the uh, eschaton. We have an expectancy to see him. He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? That's from Deuteronomy chapter 18. That is also a reference to Messiah or the Christ. He answered, no. So they said, well, who are you? And he said, Uh, We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And he said, I am a voice. Man, I like that. I'm not a big guy for titles. I drive people crazy. 
I'm not a title guy. If you are, I'm sorry. I'm going to frustrate you. People are always, uh, often, not always, people are often looking for kind of their identity in some, some kind of a title. Here's my title. I'm Jackie. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ. He's my Lord and Savior. He saved me from the guttermost to the uttermost. He is my everything. And I am simply a servant to him. And I hope in this room I have brothers and sisters who are fellow servants who want to serve the Lord God Almighty. John, in his humility, he says, I'm the last prophet. No, he doesn't say that. He said, I'm I'm coming with the authority of Almighty God. Well, those are true statements. He said, I'm a voice. I'm just a voice. Crying in the wilderness Make straight the way of the Lord, as Isaiah said. The scripture goes on and he said, but there is one among you that you don't know yet who's coming, whose sandals I'm not even worthy to unloose. John was, he had two things that I think establish him as a faithful servant of God that are important for you and I to remember two things that we want to we want to say I want to I want to try to be like John the Baptist well two things one he honored the Lord and two he humbled himself so what do I need to do Lord what do I need to do honor the Lord humble yourself I'm not the Messiah I'm not Elijah I'm not the prophet but what I am is a voice And I'm here to honor the Lord. He is before me. And his sandal I'm not worthy to loose. He is king. So he lays out. Jesus lays out to them. Tell them what you see. And blessed is the one who's not offended because of me. Now in verse 7 it says, And as they went away... Jesus began to speak to the crowd. So we have no, we don't know what happened. The Bible does this to us all the time. If you read the end of the book of Jonah, you might ask yourself, what happened? I don't know. Jonah was having a hissy fit. The plant that shadowed or gave him shadow shriveled up and died. Jonah was calling out to God for God to kill him, and the book ends. What happened? What happened when these guys went back to John the Baptist? What happened? Tell us about about that part. The Bible doesn't do that on purpose. You know why? Because we're supposed to put ourselves in a story. I don't know what John the Baptist did. What are you going to do? Blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Listen to what Jesus says. As they went away, Jesus speaking to the crowds concerning John said, What did you guys go into the wilderness to see? So the people who came to Jesus had all seen John, right? John was not little time. He was big time. Everybody was going to go see John. It's like if you're in Calvary Chapel circles and people have been around Calvary Chapel for a while, they all talk about Chuck Smith or Costa Mesa because that's where the Pope lived at one time. (laughs) Right? And if you're from a different tradition, it's okay. You have your thing too. You know, we all have our thing. Well, John the Baptist was a big deal. And Jesus said, who did you go out to see? 
And now he's going to make, there's several word plays he's going to do in this section of scripture. First one is he's going to talk about uh, um, what what did you go to see? The people's convictions. Why did we go there? Did you go to see a reed shaken by the wind? Now there's a lot of things in that phrase. For one thing, a reed is not particularly strong. And the wind moves the reed wherever it wants to go. And John the Baptist was not particularly strong, but he was being driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. A reed driven by the wind. Why did you go see him? Because they believed John the Baptist was full of the Holy Spirit and was speaking for God. Didn't they? So they went, or they were curious that that was true. So they went, so they gathered. So their conviction said, we've come to hear the word of the Lord. What then did you go out to see? A man dressed, a man dressed in soft clothing? Was he like, a, you know, had all the, the proper duds? I'm, I'm just out of time, guys. I hate being dressed up for anything. Sorry. I know for some people it's like, what the heck is wrong with Jackie? Why can't he occasionally wear a tie? I don't know. I hate them. Why doesn't he wear a suit? I don't like that either. I probably would have been more comfortable with camel's hair. I have said many times, it was ever, since I, ever since I grew the beard, it's funny, because the beard's been around a long time. Is there people here who still know me before the beard days? Yeah, there's like six people left. <laughs> so before, before the beard days... I always feel like a little bit like the Old Testament prophet. You know, they're just a little wild. Why does the Bible say they wore camel's hair and, and they ate locusts? Because people don't usually do that. They're just a little outside of the coloring outside the lines. And people don't often like people coloring outside of the lines, right? I'm not trying to justify everything. I'm just saying that this is how I identify Yes, my, my wife would like the priest, but she got the prophet. <laughs> the priest had it all together. He looked pretty. He wore, you know, his hair was just so. His beard was perfect like Eric's. Eric's beard's perfect. Eric, show everybody your beard. So that's what, that's what, that's what I think it looks like until I look in the mirror. And I realize it's a little different. But, so we all have these, uh, these ideas of expectation, right? Expectation, frustration. I, I, did you go to see John because of the clothes he wore? No. No. I didn't go to see soft clothing. We went to see a prophet. We went to see someone faithfully speak God's word. That's why we were out there. Behold, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. That's where the fancy folk are. What then did you go to see? A prophet? Yes. And more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written. Behold, I will send my messenger before your face and he will prepare the way before you. Jesus here is quoting. We read it earlier, right? In Isaiah 
43, he's going to go prepare the way. Malachi 3 and, and Malachi chapter 3 and chapter 4. Look, he's going to prepare the way. He is the one. He is the, the Jesus, Jesus giving testimony to who John is. And then he says this beautiful thing. You know, I hope, I hope John could hear it. Because it'd be pretty cool to hear these words from your Savior, no? Truly I say to you, among those born of woman, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. That's pretty cool. We, we now, as uh, the New Testament Christian church, we're looking for our Lord and Savior to say what? Well done, good and faithful servant. Because every time he talks about... Uh, the end, he also talks about the talents, the reckoning, right? The parable of the talents. What did you do with what the Lord has given you? I buried it in my backyard or I used them to further the kingdom. Amen? And so we have a reckoning before the Lord God. Not a reckoning for salvation. That's settled. But we have a reckoning for what did we do? How did we live our life for him? And we all say we want to hear, well done, right? Among those born of women, there is no one, arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. But then Jesus qualifies it. He gives clarity when he says, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Now, how is that? How is the least greater than he? Because John the Baptist is the end of an epoch, an age. The end of an age of, of men, in fact, John's going to be dead shortly, right? So <laughs> he's not going to see the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. Is he going to be saved by it? Yes, absolutely he is. But he's going to die in the age before. And the age before are men and women who have struggled their whole life but never been empowered by the, the Holy Spirit in the same way that we'll see the church. John had the Holy Spirit driving his ministry, but the men from that age, that every man didn't have it like you see today. Everyone who comes to Christ, gives their life to Christ, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. The power to raise Jesus from the dead lives in the life of every believer, every single one. Before Christ, that didn't happen. So John represents that earlier age. We might call it the Old Covenant. And there's a new covenant coming. The Old Testament, there's a new testament coming. Jesus says there's better days coming. When the least in the kingdom, he is everyone who enters into the kingdom of, of God, everyone who enters in, who believes and trusts in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior, is going to be able to be like John, who was the greatest of all men born among women. Jesus is saying, because everyone who comes to faith in, in me in that time is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That which John had from birth, or even in the womb, you're going to have from the moment that you've been saved. So there are, there is a clarity to understanding that the greatness that can be <clears throat> Accomplished. Please understand, that's not for your greatness. John the Baptist was not great for his own greatness. 
Because he said, I must decrease and he must increase. He wanted to point to Jesus. That's what being filled with the Spirit enables us to do. To point to Jesus. To stand before a king and say, that's not okay. But all the world says it is. Well, I don't care. The Lord God Almighty says that's not okay. And in three chapters, Herod's, I don't even know what you call her, daughter-in-law? No, I don't know, stepdaughter. His brother's kid, she's going to dance for him. And he'll say, I'll give you anything you want. What's she going to ask for? Give me the head of John the Baptist. So he will. There's no deliverance coming for John. When we read the book of Revelation, one of my, one of my favorite churches that we talk about in the book of Revelation is the church of Smyrna. And the reason why the church of Smyrna is special to me is because the church of Smyrna, he says this, Jesus is, is writing to Smyrna and he says to them, be faithful to death. I, I just, no matter what happens, that's what I want to be. He doesn't say be faithful till I deliver you, be faithful until I swoop in. He doesn't say that to Smyrna. He says to Smyrna, be faithful to death and I will give you the crown of life. Be faithful no matter what. Smyrna is the most persecuted church. And the Lord doesn't say to them, I'm going to save you out of it. He says to them, be faithful through it. So I want to be faithful no matter what, no matter what happens. Do I ever get disappointed? Sure. Does God ever not answer my prayers? Oh, yeah. But I don't ever want to quit. I don't ever want to stop. I don't throw my hands up, have my hissy fit. I don't want to be like Jonah. I want to be faithful to the end. Trust you to my dying breath, even if it's standing in a line for a guillotine and praying that God would come before the guillotine drops. I want to be faithful to the end. No, no matter what. Now, Jesus goes on in verse 12, and he says, Now, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, whenever we come to scripture like this, we talk about scriptures that are hard to interpret. Let me tell you why they're hard to interpret. Because the person, the reader, has to make implication to what the author intended. Um, this is a prime example. If I say that Matthew is writing in the passive voice, he's talking about people being attacked by others. If I say Matthew is writing in a middle voice, it means that people are forcefully entering into it. Those are two different interpretations that all are based on my presupposition. This has always been the challenge for readers. Right? It's why we like certain authors and we don't like other authors. We're not allowed as students of the Bible to be lazy. We're called as students of the Bible to rightly divide the word of truth. We pour ourselves in. <coughs> Let the reader 
be fully convinced. Study to show yourself approved. The workman from God. In my opinion, the passive seems to be the most um, reasonable. But that's an opinion. So the kingdom of, of heaven has suffered violence, for sure. That's, there's been persecution all along. Is there going to be violence in the life of John the Baptist? What about all the disciples? We just read about that last week, remember? You know, for the pep talk, I'm going to send you guys out as sheep among wolves. Remember the pep talk? They're going to beat you and kick you and drag you and, and kill you and think they're doing God a favor while they're doing it all. Yeah, you remember? Everybody likes that kind of pep talk before you go out, right? So he, he wants them to understand, listen, <clears throat> there will be a reaction to choosing to stand with Christ. And it's amazing how often it is uh, violent and gnashing of teeth. It's hard to have a civil conversation sometimes, isn't it? So Matthew says, for all the prophets in the law prophesied until John. So the conclusion of the Old Testament, the final prophet, is John the Baptist. And if you are willing to accept it, he is the Elijah who is to come. Has he come before the Lord? Yep, he has. Has he prepared the way he has? And then he uses a phrase you're going to see a lot later, doesn't he? He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Everybody can't handle the things that the Lord says. There's times where the Lord was speaking to his disciples and he said, I have a lot of things to tell you, but you're not ready to bear it yet. <coughs> I think there's probably a lot of times God has said that to us. Well, Jackie, I'd like to tell you what's going on when you ask, but you're not ready. You can't handle the truth. You've heard that before. How many of you guys were saying that in your head? There's always a couple. <laughs> so you're not quite ready. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. This is the attitude that we want to have. Now, verse 16 is going to set the groundwork for some questions we're going to have Later on in chapter 23 and 24, we'll talk about it again when we get there. But I want to start setting the stage. But to what shall I compare this generation? Who's he talking to? The people in front of him, right? So he's talking to the people in front of him. He says, what shall I compare you guys to? Right? Everybody agree with that? It is like children sitting in the marketplace calling to their playmates, like kids running around playing. And sometimes in little Jewish circles, the kids would get together and maybe one day they would play funeral. That doesn't sound fun, I know. But they'd play funeral and so they would practice being mourners. So they would sing the funeral songs and they would <coughs> do the funeral dances. Yes, there were funeral dances. And they would like do a little pretend funeral maybe for for one of the kids would get to who was a bad dancer could lay down and play the dead guy and then maybe the next day 
the kids would get together and they would play the wedding, which was a much happier occasion, right? And there was same thing. There was dances for the wedding and songs for the wedding. <coughs> you guys know those are two very different things, right? So you can tell the difference between them. So Jesus is saying this generation is like little kids playing either funeral or wedding. Now look what he says in verse 17. We played the flute for you, but you did not dance. You're not, you're not in step with our tune. Does anybody ever feel out of tune with society? You're out of tune with us. We played the flute, you did not dance. We sang a dirge. That's a funeral song. We sang a dirge and you did not mourn. And then Jesus is going to describe what he means. He says, because John came like a funeral dirge. John came like a funeral with the, <clears throat> thus says the Lord, woe to you, woe to you, and woe to you too. And he says to the scribes and the Pharisees, who warns you to flee the wrath that is to come? <clears throat> this was the attitude of John. He was very serious. He was all business. John came neither eating or drinking. He didn't get together. He didn't meet with people. There was no parties. Nobody had a party and said, John, John, come to our party. No, John didn't. Nobody invited the prophet to a party. The prophet was a bit of a downer. You guys understand the picture. I'm not trying to make light of it. I just want you to understand the picture. And so John came neither eating or drinking. You said he had a demon. So he came. And you didn't like the way he danced to your tune. And you said he had a demon. He's too serious. You can't be like that. So then Jesus gives the comparison. The son of man came to the wedding song. He came eating and drinking. He was a fun guy. It's happy. He's healing people. He's doing all these incredible things. And you said, look at him. He's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. So this comparison is being made. Now, I just want to back up for a moment. Jesus begins, he's going to use this phrase multiple times in the book of Matthew. This generation. Woe to this generation. You're going to hear this multiple times. In fact, I'm just going to back up for a moment and read one of them to you that, that's going to set the stage later on for Matthew 24, which we're not going to be there for a while. But in Matthew 23, listen to how Jesus is speaking. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you <coughs> are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly look beautiful, but within are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. uncleanness. For you, so you also outwardly appear righteous, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we have lived in the days of our fathers, we would not have taken part with them in shedding the blood of the prophets. Thus you witness against yourself, you are the sons of those who murdered them. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, brood of vipers, how are you to escape being sentenced to hell? Therefore, I send you prophets and wise men, scribes, some of whom you will kill and crucify, some you will flog in your synagogues, 
and persecute from town to town, so that on you may come all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of Abel to Zechariah the son of Berechiah, whom you murdered between the sanctuary and the altar. <coughs> what are they going to say when Jesus is on trial? And Pilate says, I am innocent of his blood. What are they going to say? His blood be on us and on our children. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, the killer, killers of the prophets. Listen to what he says. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon, what's the phrase? It's the people he's talking to. These things are going to come upon this generation. Look, listen to what he says. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets, stones those who are sent to it. How often I would have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her, wing, under her wings, and you were not willing. And then he says the saddest words in the book of Matthew. See, your house is left to you desolate. It's not my father's house anymore. Your house is desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus says, You won't see me again until you believe. You won't see me again until you receive me as your Lord and Savior. And so Jesus has words for that generation he's standing before. It's easy to understand, right? Simple, he says, what shall I compare this generation? You're like kids playing two games, and you're not happy no matter which one we play. If we play the funeral, you say we have a demon. If we play the wedding, you say we're a wine girl. You're not satisfied no matter which way we're playing. Later on in chapter 23, he's going to deliver woes to them. Chapter 24, he's going to say, there will not be one stone left upon another. Right? So we have this word that Jesus is declaring before the people. Now, <clears throat> at the end, the last phrase that Jesus shares in, in verse 19, he says, he says, yet wisdom is justified by her deeds. Or maybe it, yours, yours says wisdom is justified by her children. Um, it's always challenging. One of the things I love to tell people is people always say things like, you know, we, we need is a word-for-word -word translation. Well, the truth is, if you had that, you wouldn't understand what you were reading. You ever had a joke translated, and the punchline is, and so it was toast. <laughs> and you go, that's not funny. Yeah, because it does not make sense in your culture. Let me tell you all the background for it, and all of a sudden, you can make the joke make sense. Are you guys with me? The same thing is true in, in Hosea. We just finished Hosea on Wednesday nights. And <clears throat> Hosea would be horrible to have a word-for-word -word translation in because, because there's, it's so full of, of um, idioms, words of, of figures of speech, Hebraic ones, ancient ones, that Hebrew, Hebrew it, it's hard, to, it's hard to speak sometimes, I'm trying to finish. I'm almost done. Anyways, they're, even the experts in the Hebrew language are not all together on what this phrase means. You know, what's it mean? You know, you and I, we always use the one, it's raining uh, 
cats and dogs. Thanks, I almost lost it. It's raining. So, yeah, what are we saying? My wife just staring at me like, come on, babe, I'm here. I can't think of a word. You're supposed to help me. Anyways, she did eventually. Um, so we understand that one, right? So this is a, this is an idiom. This is an idiom that's being used at the end. And basically the idiom, the wisdom being justified by her children or by her deeds, it means the results will speak for themselves. You'll see the proof of the pudding is in the eating. Yeah. Yeah. It is like you're going to see. Watch. You're going to see. So <clears throat> the, the groundwork is being laid, and we're going to see next week in Matthew 11, Jesus saying, So come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, all you who have expectation, frustration, all you for whom everything you hoped God would do, he didn't do. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you, take my yoke upon you. That sounds like work, doesn't it? Take my yoke upon you. It's well-fitting. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We want to be yoked together with Jesus Christ. Amen? So as we consider ourselves, if you have this struggle in your life, one of the beautiful things that John did, he couldn't come himself, but he sent someone to Jesus. Talk to him. We're going to have an opportunity this morning, and we're going to close in prayer, and we're going to just have some instrumental music. We're going to have elders and deacons around the room that you can pray with. And I would encourage you, if you are in right now in a pit of expectation, frustration, then come forward and pray with one of the elders or deacons so that you can be set free. Walk in the attitude of John. Honor the Lord and humble yourself. And you will find peace and rest. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that we could be gathered. We thank you for the teaching of your word. We thank you for the truth that your word declares. And we thank you for an opportunity, Lord God, not just to hear words and <clears throat> run on our merry way. The Bible says, do not be hearers only, but doers also. Ones who look into the mirror of the word of God and recognize something in their reflection that God would have us deal with. And the beautiful thing is the Lord is not impatient. He'll take as long as it takes to stand before the Lord and say, God, I, I thought I had this desire and I thought you were going to deliver it this way. And maybe you're in prison today. Jesus is still the one who sets you free. But sometimes the freedom he gives us is the freedom from our own bitterness and anger. Sometimes the freedom he gives us is, is different. Sometimes he doesn't take things away. Sometimes like Paul, he, he would say to us, my grace is sufficient for you for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. God, I just pray there's people here who are struggling with this. They'll have and take the opportunity for prayer. Go talk to Jesus.
him say, let him comfort you. I'm here. I see you. The suffering or the trouble or the trauma, they all matter to me. There's no suffering we've ever endured that didn't matter to God. The scripture would declare that he has captured every tear we've ever cried. They matter to him. But sometimes that's the path we walk. Sometimes our journey is <clears throat> the trail of tears. And sometimes our journey is full of joy. The beauty is the tears don't last forever, but the joy will. So God, I pray that you would bring understanding and comprehension as we seek your face at the close of our service, Lord. Pray that you be glorified for all those who, who go out into the day. Lord, help them walk um, honoring you and humbling themselves that you would be glorified in the things we say and do. In Jesus' name we pray.